Hello, I'm Anthony Sana. I'm Dr. Michael Smith. And this is Fusion Health Radio, the health, lifestyle, and mindset podcast. Episode 51, Self-Quantification, Old School. Welcome to Fusion Health Radio, your source for inspiration, information, and insight on what it really takes and what really matters on your journey to abundant health. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Fusion Health Radio. Thanks for tuning in and uh, welcome if this is your first time here. You're in at the deep end. You should probably should start way back at around episode one, but uh, this is a conversation that Michael and I have had for, I guess, two and a half years, almost three years now? About that, yeah. Yeah, wow. Episode 51. How did that happen, eh? <laughs> uh, things are a little bit different today. You might notice a little bit difference in the sound quality that we have today. Uh, and in the video quality. Number one, we're not doing a video today. Number two, the sound quality, we're in a different space with Michael. So um, if you notice anything really weird, really different, uh, that really sucks, please just let us know. Uh, episode 51, uh, self-quantification, old school is the topic of the day. Last time we were here, episode 50, uh, which was a couple weeks back, um, we talked about uh, understanding the world of Jordan Peterson. Um, do you want to give people a little bit of a recap as to what we were actually talking about in that episode, Michael? Uh, well, the big thing for me was just that, uh, say Jordan Peterson has quite the public opinion, you could say, you know, in the sense that he has his, um, perspective on, uh, compelled speech and gender pronouns and things like that. Then he has his relative politics about, um, even sex in the workplace for the balance between men and women. And because he's a pretty earnest person, and I think as a communicator, he tends to be pretty self-confident, you could say. <laughs> uh, it's very easy for people who want to get sound bites and clips of him saying something that could be very easily used to... Um, make him sound like an ass? Well, that, that or just like to make him... Because you can take clips of pretty much anyone, I think, and make them sound like they believe in aliens or they believe in, you know know Zeus and Apollo or something like just in the sense that it's not that hard to make something sound polarized in the direction you want it to. Sure. So that's a big part of his, um, you know, when, when people first hear his name, it's like 90% of the time. The first thing that comes to mind is someone used something he said as clickbait. So that person's reaction to his name is, oh, that guy who's uh fill in the blank with whoever you love or you hate. So it, it really does get people's attention that way. But mostly we just talked about uh, his book, 12 Rules for Life, and uh, just a more, perhaps you might call it a meditation, um, Qigong yoga kind of response or reflection on the 12 rules that he had. And some of them are very much the same, and some of them are maybe a little bit different in how you would interpret them that way. So we got into basically chatting about his book and those rules and kind of how easy it is for certain people to get really misunderstood mm -hmm. um, in, in the public domain when they're, I don't know, I would say an effective enough communicator uh, to get people's attention and unfortunately um, to be really, really useful for clickbait people because it's amazing what that, I don't, don't even honestly, don't think I really understood what that was until the last couple of years. Hmm. Well, it was, it was interesting, um, and I don't want to get too far into the discussion around that, but uh, the one thing that I did note out of that was how you um, talked about your own experience as a communicator um, and how um, 
you've experienced the challenge of being understood or wanting to get the idea across clearly and how you sort of um, uh, compared that to what you see uh, Jordan Peterson doing. So, Yeah, there's a fundamental difference between being a university professor when you have months to unpack an idea, which by both uh, Jordan Peterson and I have had, that is a big part of our professional uh, training. So you just get into those habits and it's been fun. I think we started the conversation of talking about how kind of fun it is to watch someone what I call throw a frisbee or throw a big idea out there that usually would take three months to talk your way through and you got a 90 minute, you know, presentation to do in front of a bunch of strangers who just read your book. <laughs> right. So it can, it can create, it's fun to watch. Definitely. Uh, well, it was definitely a, a good podcast to re-listen to. So, uh, dear listener, if you haven't already, uh, episode 50, um, Understanding Jordan Peterson uh, is available where you get your favorite podcasts. And I actually have some news around podcasts. I read recently that uh, Google is now going to start indexing podcasts if you're listening to, or sorry, if you're searching for information on your Android device, um, it'll start putting up podcasts in search results. And you can actually just press play right there in the search results. So you don't have to mess around with, um, uh, I guess, the Google Play Store or any of that kind of stuff. Um, it's going to make it easier and easier uh, to get information uh, via podcasts. And um, I think we might actually get a few more listeners because of it. Mm. Cool. Pretty exciting stuff. And just very quickly, the title for last one is Understanding Jordan Peterson and Becoming an Authentic Member of Society, because mm, fundamentally right. that's really what the conversation was about, is right. how, to, how to show up, grow up, and be real in the world, because seems like a good idea. <laughs> well, it, it almost seems like this episode is kind of a, a continuation of that in some way, wouldn't it? Well, that, that was why I brought it up. I just wanted to like a little segue into And today we're going to kind of go into maybe... You, a uh, more felt sense uh, approach to continuing on that conversation. Sure. Well, the title of self-quantification, old school. Uh, I've got a big question mark around that. Do you want to unra unravel this in some way? Well, I think the term self-quantification has become pretty ubiquitous or, you know, we all kind of have a sense of it if we're in the world of meditation or fitness or fat loss or whatever kind of... Um, relatively competitive thing you might be involved in because the more you can measure, the more you can be precise. So you have people with wearable devices, be them kind of pseudo watches or rings or uh, things you can wrap around your head. It's getting pretty high tech out there. Um, <clears throat> and, and they all give us a chance to really just watch exactly how we're doing in the sense of maybe how deep you sleep or uh, what your heart rate variability is and things like that. So in the sense of self-quantification nowadays, if you got a couple hundred bucks and a, you know, a, probably a smartphone or an app or something like that, uh, you can probably get into some really, really fun, probably quite, you know, helpfully, it would be helpful if it was kind of disciplined um, self-assessment and, and self-application uh, because now you can really get your claws into the numbers, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what a lot of people are, are pretty attracted to. And uh, I mean, there's a parallel in my practice when people come in and we talk about a Chinese medicine uh, a diagnosis that may sound a bit like a weather report, which some people like, some people don't. Um, but you walk away with that appreciation of a, a bigger pattern of what's going on. And then if you were to come through my practice and go through the functional medicine process where we're going to do some lab testing and really take a, I mean, literally pop the hood and see what's going on in there. Mm -hmm. uh, when people see those numbers, it's a very different uh, kind of association, you know, because one's kind of right brainy, one's kind of left brainy. 
So when it comes to, again to self-quantification in the modern world, it's pretty left-brainy. So if you're a person who really, you know, digs the world that way, and that's really going to move you uh, ahead in where you want to go, then that's what you should do. Um, if you're a person who's a bit more right brain, then I would really encourage you to check out all the things we're going to talk about today, because this is going to be a chance to really see how you fit into your life in a very tangible moment by moment way. And to give yourself a sense of, I think at first a kind of sense of self humor, you know, I mean, you got, you got to kind of laugh a little bit about, you have to be willing to laugh a, a bit about yourself or at yourself or with yourself, or you're never going to really get very far with peeling back those onion layers because you're not going to like the, for some reason I thought about someone trying to peel back the onion and they start crying because they don't like what they see. And they're like, oh, I'll just leave that onion right where it is. <laughs> I'll just put it back in the cupboard. Yeah. <laughs> That whole onion thing's overrated. <laughs> it makes me sad. But um, yeah, because I mean, you, you really do. If you want to go into a deep relationship with uh, self-cultivation, awareness, and, and some truth, you know, you're, you're going to have to stumble a bit and kind of laugh at that. And so um, that's the self-quantification part of the title. And old school? Uh, how do you well, mean? I guess the old school part would just be that it's based on like uh, Taoist practice, like Qigong or certain shamanic things. Uh, putting into practice um, when you see how they fit in things like where where something as instinctual as a meditation uh, practice might be or you know I just think of there's some things that are just so common sense they're almost animalistically common sense you know so if I think about one of the best ways you can really reorientate yourself as a somatic being you know in the sense of how you feel within your you know nerves muscles and bones how many times does a dog come home from the park, lie on the floor and have a little fit? Because it's reasserting and reassessing itself so that it, it feels pretty clear with itself as a neuromuscular animal being. You know, humans, on the other hand, if we don't have ways to really reorientate ourselves, we just keep kind of, you know, the, well, this is in Canada, so we're going to do a hockey metaphor, but if you crack your hockey stick and you wrap, wrap duct tape around it, okay, then you crack it some more and you wrap some more duct tape around it and pretty soon you got this giant ball of duct tape and <laughs> not sure you've played hockey anymore, but you know, that's, you know, opportunity number two is keep masking everything. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's the idea of old school self-quantification is just to get a bit playful with these practices and see how they can fit into your life day to day, uh, as well as maybe taking on an operational perspective, you know, and this is the tricky thing when you talk about anything that has a previous cultural bias or religious bias or, you know, anything like that. Some people think, oh, you're going to try and start a cult. Other people are like, oh, you know, that's being your, you're uh, doing that cultural appropriation thing, you know, because you're borrowing something from somebody. And I can see how that does happen, you know, in, in some situations. But yeah, what I'm hope, hoping to get into here is, is really just, well, here's, here's a one way to look at the world. Here's another way to to see yourself within it, here's a way to really appreciate what it's like from a kind of health, spiritual perspective, but without it really being about any long-term stuff, just like how to apply all those practices in a way that just makes life way more fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so did you actually want to go through a, uh, a list of set practices? Um, how, did, how did you want to start the conversation then? Uh, well, I wanted to just start off with uh, some general context and terminology because sure. it... Uh, often when I get questions or emails and stuff around the podcast, one thing that people are, I think, 
at least half of the responses that, that have to do with Chinese medicine or could you get a little bit deeper into the Chinese medicine stuff or the Tao stuff? And I was like, well, I could try and pull that off. So today we're gonna have some fun with that. So when it comes to things like uh, Qigong practice, um, one of the terms you're gonna hear people use a lot is Dantian. Dantian. Yeah. And it's basically in its most commonly used kind of uh, definition would be an energy center that resides a couple inches below your belly button and about a third of the way between the front of your body and the back of your body. Okay. Right. So the, I've, when I first got into all this stuff, that seemed like a really, really helpful bit of information, you know, like, oh, there's this place that you're going <clears> to <throat> center your uh, self-awareness around. And apparently there's these feelings you're going to get that are going to somehow like a Jedi prove that the force is real, which it's kind of nice to have that on the, the brochure of <laughs> what am I getting myself into? And uh, so, you know, there's a, a perception even in obviously things like yoga of uh, the the chakra system. So there's ways to, you could say, locate consciousness in, in a, a specific region of the body or a specific location in the body. And what it is that we experience as our nature at that place is a bit different. Mm -hmm. So we have this idea of Dantian and it can be very literalized. It's like, oh, it's a quarter inch off. Because <clears throat> people sometimes like the numbers, right? Uh, and then there's the more contextual sense. And then when you really actually look at the way the the idea of Dantian is used in the, the actual culture where it comes from, like Taoist culture, um, the word Dan basically is uh, for like cinnabar, which is a, a metaphoric Chinese character for all things used in alchemy. Okay. The word Tian is actually the, the, the image of a, pers of a field that you would be using to cultivate something. Like it's like a, a square that's cut into four squares. Like it's, here's a, here's a field of rows. <laughs> that's, that's the Chinese character for that. So in, in its most fundamental, um, simple, simple kind of definition, you're looking at a place in which, uh, you know, things grow or things change. And, uh, the thing that gets tricky for people is that you can get a little bit obsessed about location. About where it actually physically sits in the body, you mean? Well, yeah, because I mean, if you're thinking about chakras, the thing that's interesting is you can buy a chart that's going to tell you the color, the frequency, the vibration, the crystal, the essential oil, the rotational something or other, because some people want to know what's supposed to be happening there. Mm -hmm. Other schools of thought would say, it'd be probably better for you to go in there with a blank piece of paper and see what associative um, things you, you get when you touch into that chakra within yourself. So when you think about the term Dantian in, in the sense of a field of cultivation, it, the easiest way to start the conversation is, well, where's the field and give me a shovel, hmm. you know, or the metaphoric shovel so I know to, how to do the work. And then there's this other aspect of Chinese language, which is drives most English speakers a bit crazy, is when you actually talk about the field of cultivation, you're talking about it almost in the quantum physics sense, because hmm. it's the field you know, whatever that means. Um, you know, it's sort of this implied idea with new age thinking that science is gradually uncovering the fact that we are this giant ball of, you know, fields. <laughs> and we keep getting that uh, affirmed by, I don't know, things like the heart torus and radiocardiology and stuff. We're like, okay, there's definitely a, a field mm -hmm. uh, affecting which humans experience their existence. 
And there's subtle uh, changes that happen to that field with trauma. There's subtle changes to happen that with injury, obviously with medications or hallucinogens. Uh, and then there's just day-to-day -day life. So when you realize you actually have like a sort of an inner holographic experience, mm -hmm. if you were to use that as a image, I think. And you're the person who's got your hands on the, say, the metaphoric joystick. You know, you can take this hologram, this three-dimensional moving, living kind of image of how you see yourself in the world, and you can actually start to fiddle with the knobs, right? But you need to have a sense of a tangible interaction with the field and perhaps a location or a context for which uh, you're actually going to try and figure something out, hmm. right? Because if you're geeky, I mean, and this is where you could kind of get monotheistic about stuff. You know, there's one perfect vibration for all beings to exist in. Law, you know, I think I got it right. Woohoo. <laughs> Look at me, mom. <laughs> it's Mother's Day. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you know, or we can realize there's probably a much more, life might be more interesting if we have a really good wide palette or really well put together toolbox of ways to cultivate whatever it is that we're uh, going to go deeper into. Because as we grow up in life, what what's important changes, right? The image of um, the way you're describing things, the field, um, and actually knowing how to tap into that field, uh, it makes me think of um, an old stereo console. Like if I was to come up to the stereo, there'd be a knob on the outside that says, hey, you want to access what's on the inside of this thing? Here's a bunch of buttons. Mm -hmm. And what's on the inside? Nothing. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but whatever, whatever's on, but whatever's on the inside actually affects you because it comes out. I mean, there's you you have control over something you can't see from the outside. There's this quote field that goes beyond the box of the stereo, right? Mm -hmm. Anyways, I don't know if that. But that that's actually the perfect uh, segue into what I wanted to kind of bring up next because you have a choice in in this endeavor, mm -hmm. you know, and it's a multi layered choice is how tangible and real and literal do you want your cultivation and, you know, quantification to be? Um, you know, if you have a broken foot, you might want to get some x-rays and, you know, set it right and put a cast on your foot, you know, because that's what be the appropriate kind of cultivation. So then things can get relatively abstract where what you're, uh, you know, speaking to within the, the process or the practice is, is probably at the, I mean, the, the most precise word would probably just be symbolic association. Mm -hmm. And then there's what I would just call tangible context, which is, oh yeah, that's, that's something that comes up for a lot of people, like say relationship stuff, you know, because that, that opens up an entire, you know, <laughs> can of worms, pan, pan, Pandora's <laughs> box, right? So I'm going to just walk, you know, you and I and anybody listening through a very simple um, kind of somatic awareness exercise. Uh, and it's a really good way to enter into a meditation, but it's also a really cool way to just realize that there's some pretty obvious themes in life. Okay. So this is the exercise, and you can do this more overtly uh, or, or less so, but I'm sitting here with a micro in front, in front of me, and I recognize if I move around too much, the way it's going to sound on the microphone is going to be kind of distracting for people. So I'm going to be very gentle in my movements. Uh, Anthony, you can be as, you know, overt or not <laughs> with this whole thing. And if you're listening, definitely make, give yourself some room to, to just sort of move around a little bit. So what we're going to be doing is, you know, basically sitting in a chair. And what you're going to want to do is lean forward a little bit. 
So I'm just going to move my chair a little bit. So I want to lean forward and just sort of symbolically allow myself to kind of admit that there's a lot that happens in life that actually asks us to lean in a little bit. Okay. So if you would just sort of sit here and go, okay, I'm going to lean forward mechanically. But what I'm going to do is focus in on that weird potent sense that we have when we decide to lean in a little bit. You know, it's almost like an instinct you want to turn to the side and get ready to push against the door or something. Like, okay, I'm hunkering down here to get ready to make something happen. And then there's ways that you might see yourself leaning in or leaning forward that are a little bit more like leaping. Hmm. Right? And then there's stuff, you know, where we're like, ooh, that, that's a shiny, pretty thing. <laughs> I'll just run right into, the, you know, the, the, the future kind of blithely or whatever. And now I feel like I'm falling forward. Right. So there's a whole rainbow of, of associations that we have when we just tilt our body forward. And there's a lot of ways to reflect on what that might um, inform us that we're maybe doing too much of or not enough of. Because hmm. there's a whole bunch of things in, in self-quantification that just have to do with that question. When you, when you bring your attention to something, what's too much, what's not enough? So now we can do the same thing. Uh, but we're going to just simply uh, change the action to leaning back. So as I tilt backwards, I could be leaning back in, in sort of this, I don't know, for some reason, well, I just moved my entire house, well, all my furniture and stuff. So on, on a certain mental kind of physical level, I'm a bit tired. So the first thing that comes to my experience when I think about leaning back is, oh, if I had a hammock right now, I would just like, you know, lean back and, you know, kind of fall into that space of uh, deep relaxation, right? And then there's leaning back kind of like, oh, I'm just going to give up. Mm -hmm. You know, at the, that thing that happens that moment at that day at the, you know, the middle of your heart when you realize the relationship you're in is just not going to work out and you just feel that little thump inside. And that's kind of the way we feel when we fall back, but we fall back, you know, and, and there's a kind of a, I don't know, oblivion, is that the word I'm looking for? But, you know, just something that's like, that's, that's, a, that's all over now. Uh, and again, I could keep coming up with uh, other ways to associate that with. Uh, but the reason I picked that one as a place to start with most people is it's highly obviously contextual. Like if you're leaning into something or falling into something or way off balance, it's about balance. And it's about choices that we make and it's about uh, the kind of momentum that we like and the kind of momentum that actually takes over our life. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. Well, it, it makes me think of the... I mean, just in English, you fall in love, and yeah. when you're off balance is when you're you're off kilter. You're not centered. You're mm -hmm. kind of like uh, unstable. Or yeah, I'm reeling in this situation, or I'm flailing, or you know, mm -hmm. there's just a lot of things that say, oh yeah. And because most of these practices, say from Qigong and things like that, they're all embodied practice where you are, you know, you're sitting, you're standing, you're walking, you're lying down, you're making love, or whatever you're up to, because it's an embodied experience, and there's a highly sort of associative relationship with those cultural spiritual practices, you know, around sensation and movement, you have the perfect laboratory 24 seven and it's full of contextual instinctual uh, information that's sort of tugging at your awareness. But in the world nowadays, we tend to spend, I think a little bit too much time way upstairs with little clipboards trying to get our resume right or our ego kind of self you know, loathing to self aggrandizing kind of patterns to, to settle down, mm -hmm. you know, but there are so many other really f amazingly potent tools and, and, and they're meant to be kind of playful, hmm. 
right? But you have to sort of shift your awareness to, okay, what is this Dantian thing? Is it the clipboard in my head where I finally get a good opinion, you know, of myself that I can clutch onto for 15 seconds because, oh, that, that felt good, <laughs> you know? And, you know, then you, you know, you see a booger in the mirror and you're like, oh my God, I'm such a horrible person. And yeah. just, just throw that image well, you just, right into the toilet. You just, I guess I'm just suggesting that certain fields of cultivation are kind of grow something substantial and then other ones are for some reason i'm reminded of uh, a few years ago i was filming this qigong video and you know i got the camera set up and i'm on this deck and i'm trying to wave my arms around and i have this small window of time to get it just right and every once in a while a bug crawls across the the lens of the video camera so you have to stop and then when you're editing the video like the next day it's like a giant dinosaur comes walking across the street <laughs> oh <laughs> But I think a lot of stuff that happens in, in that kind of clipboard ego fantasy place that we're trying to get right, you know, in the West, because that's a lot of what Western culture is about. It's kind of a shopping mall where if you can just get your fashion right and your resume down, you're going to be okay. People will like you, hmm. you know, but a lot of that stuff that happens in that part of the mind is like that bug walking across the video screen. It's like, you know, maybe shocking, maybe, you know, in your face, it's definitely present to you, but it's about as you know important to the end product of that you know qigong video <laughs> uh, as a bug walking across the screen. It's it's not really. I think I guess what I'm speaking to is at some point we're going to have to appreciate you know the labor of cultivation. Is it a labor of love and actually producing uh, a shift in your understanding of yourself, or is it just sort of this thing we poke at once in a while and watch and see what happens if it kicks back? Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting. You're talking about something that, as I understand it, you're saying appreciate something a little bit more esoteric than, um, you know, as literal as all of those TV commercials that tell us that we've got dandruff or we're too big or too bad or you need an erection or you don't or, you know, it's like all, all the different things that Western society tells us we need to measure up to aren't necessarily things that um, equate to who you are as a person. At a core level. Well, I think what it would be an interesting thing. I'm not picturing the guy who's got that little thing with his in his hand that's got the thumb button that as you walk past them, they count how many people walk past you. Click, 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 mm -hmm. click. I think it would be interesting to actually walk, sit, sit there. Or I, I couldn't do this. I'd have to pay somebody to do this. Then I'd feel like a bastard for doing that. But if I had somebody sitting there with a big screen TV and they got to click every commercial that actually invited you to actually do something with your state of being. <laughs> I don't I'm, just, I'm just uh, I can hear the echoes of the crickets in my mind. Like <laughs> I don't think I could hear a lot of clicking going on here. But yeah, I guess so. That that's kind of what what this comes down to is most of this stuff is like okay, well here you are in this moment, leaning <clears throat> leaning forward or back in the sense of contextually aware of of opportunities to show up and 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 uh, be conscious of it. Mm -hmm. So I'll throw uh, a couple of other. Um, what you might call big patterns uh, out there because it gives people, again, the, a map. Because to say, oh, yeah, I want to cultivate myself and quantify myself and maybe, you know, work on some improvement, whatever that might mean, uh, you, you kind of have to have, like, an address, I guess. You know, where, where, where am I going to start? Where am I going to go? Mm -hmm. So in traditional Taoism, we have something called San Tao. San Tao? Yeah, so San Tao would be the threefold path. So San is three, Tao is really hard to translate. <laughs> <laughs> We've only got so much time. Yeah, really. <laughs> Creek. <laughs> that would take a while. Anyway, so 
So threefold path basically goes like this. There's Tian Dao, uh, Di Dao, and Shen Dao. So Tian Dao means the Dao of the sky. And in this sense, Dao basically just means kind of like a way or a path or, uh, again, a kind of predictable process, right? So there's this, uh, what's this whatever's interacting with humans from the sky down and from humans up, that's going to fall in the sense of Tian Dao, which obviously would be like religion and spiritual stuff and maybe astrology or uh, weather feng shui all that kind of fun stuff uh di tao that's the tao soil so everything that has to do with human life uh self-cultivation awareness uh and just being here that would relate to the stuff that happens down here on the ground you know it's often related to like instincts animal life enough sleep enough food enough sex you know you know things like that because it's down here on the ground and then run tao would be the tao of beings or the tao of how it is that we actually interact with the world and how available we are, how fluid we are, how responsive we are uh, in that part of our existence, or how closed up we are, how reactive we are, how defensive or defiant we are. So the idea of San Tao, or that threefold path, is uh, from a traditional Taoist perspective, is if you're going to cultivate um, yourself in the direction of, of, I don't know, enlightenment, if you wanted to pick a, <laughs> just a little, a little easy one a small goal <laughs> yeah uh, or, or just obviously cultivating awareness the the teachings from Taoism basically starts with well we would usually suggest starting with detail like start with instincts start with the body start with the basics and then you know see how that affects your ability to interact with people around you because now you're you know a more committed and discerning person in whatever way you're doing what you're doing and that will eventually show up in, in more, more subtle ways of, of how you maybe ex exist in the world. Uh, other spiritual traditions may say, well, you know, well, the first thing you should do is begin a deep, thorough meditation practice so that you can cultivate your alignment with your highest self so that <clears throat> as you move into uh, your practice with your physical self or your more social, emotional self, uh, you may have... Um, more clarity or, or wisdom in, in, in that process. Other traditions would say, you know what, start in the messiest places you could possibly get your hands dirty because that's what hurts and it has your attention already. So that's probably going to be in your family life, your relationships, the workplace, like, you know, what, what what's going on within the human dynamic that it just has hooked you and, and hurts you and, you know, keeps you up at night or whatever. Mm -hmm. So the invitation is where do you think you need to start? you know, in the sense of cultivating some self-quantification. So, you know, what's what's good, what's bad, what's left, what's right, what's up, what's down? Am I leaning in? Am I leaning back? Uh, in each of those three parts of my life. And what's, what's the one that feels like the most uh, traumatic or intense? Because that would be obviously you're the place you're going to get the most energy back. Because that's right now the place your energy is the most um, instinctually but reactively uh, being thrown around. Hmm. It sounds, um, I was going to say simple, um, but I guess it's, 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 uh, the kind of thing that, um, depends on how you actually come to it, uh, that makes it more complicated or not. Um, I mean, I, I don't really have much, um, experience with, uh, Qigong or short of whatever conversations we've had around, you know, managing your energy or that sort of thing. But as I hear you describe this, it just sounds um, almost kind of effortless or gentle in some way. Yeah, that's the idea is that 
with especially with Taoism and a lot of other indigenous practices, uh, those traditions are just all, all about how messy this really is. Messy, messy, like the the human existence. It's uh, the the idea of coming into any of those cultural spiritual traditions with a robe of some beautiful, you know, never get dirty kind of effervescent glow or whatever like there's just this idea with a lot of modern you know traditions of uh improving life or understanding the 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 deeper picture of life in the sense of religion i mean it's all very iconic and there's that you know gospel music in the background or you know there's just this idea that we're getting to a higher frequency and it's all going to be you know in some way operatically law you know just like Mm -hmm. you know there's there there's a perfection there's an ism there's a a pyramid and if you can get to the top you know however it all goes most other traditions that are pretty earthy and old school are like oh yeah welcome to the you know the mud pie and <laughs> you know we're all going to be you know ass deep in in the swamp and we're all going to take care of each other and it's going to be kind of funny and uh, this is what we've learned so far, but, you know, welcome to the real instead of let's escape the real and, and find the I, 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 ideific, you know, cause there's only one way off of a pedestal and it's usually ass first into the rocks. Hmm. Right. So in a lot of these other traditions, maybe they've just had enough thousands of attempts at making up some perfectionistic, uh, approach to life. And they've just given up on them all because all we have left from these traditions that are hundreds of thousands of years old are like, yep, it's kind of messy down here, but you know, if you can fist bump the buddies beside you, have a little bit of a sense of humor and <laughs> find some rhythm, you're going to, you're going to get through it. Okay. Hmm. You know, so they're, they're much more earthy in that sense. So, I mean, when you look at the, the highly complex structure of the religion. Well, there's that stuff that happens from the ground up. There's that stuff that happens between you and the sky. And then there's all that other stuff that happens. And yeah, you kind of pay attention and good luck with that. So, uh. <laughs> sorry if that, that's our, that's our church's brochure. <laughs> look up, look down, look around. Welcome to Michael's church. Don't be an ass, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm reminded of those, uh, those experiences as a kid. It would always make me really happy when I was in church when, uh, in Catholic mass, there's a point where the priest or whoever, I think, I don't remember, uh, at the front of the room would say, you know, and peace be with you. And that was the signal for everybody to sort of turn around and shake hands with everybody else. But for me, that was kind of like, yeah, we're in the home stretch. All right. <laughs> we're almost out of here. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> okay. So ho- hopefully we still have people kind of curious as to where's this actually going to go? Um, so we have this idea of Santal, right? So you can begin cultivating some kind of quantification of yourself in the world by looking at how you, you do, or you don't have any way to fit into what people might call a spiritual life or a bigger picture. You know, you, you do have a real fundamental sense of, um, you've looked into things like fitness, health, diet, you know, sleep hygiene or whatever, and you can take care of the basics. And if you can't, you know, you should probably be talking to somebody or listening to the previous 40 odd podcasts about all of that stuff. But as long as we have that fundamentally sense of like right relationship with your physical health and your, your, your embodied life, uh, that's a lot, there's a lot of room to play with quantification and cultivation there. Mm -hmm. And then there's just how you get along with, you know, the world around you and especially the people in it. And, you know, unless you're got the, the, the best chip for human interactions, you know, that I must've missed when I grew up. Cause that's, that's always the biggest learning place for me is, 
uh, I mean, my son told me this term a couple of years ago. He says, you know, dad, you're kind of a little bit off with your social calibration sometimes. And I'm like, what? So I think it's because you're used to just like being a doctor. So you sit down in a restaurant, you start talking to people and it's, it's like, you just sort of shift gears into this thing. And I think most people are just expecting like a, you know, a dinner date kind of a conversation or whatever. <laughs> like, oh yeah, I guess you're right. Hmm. You know, so there's obviously a lot of room for self-quantification and cultivation in, in whatever you might call your field of social calibration. So, I mean, that's a pretty wide open bit of non-advice. It's just, hey, here's notice. There's no lack of chances to show up and grow up. Hmm. Uh, the, uh, the word that I used to describe that would be social graces. Yeah. Um, there's some people that I know that have a lot of them. And there's some people that I know who are just plain awkward with the world and it presents when they interact with you and it's just kind of like for me anyways i'm just i'm okay with that uh but i see how other people you know uh, take it personally that somebody else isn't polite or isn't this or isn't that and i'm like well whatever it doesn't bother me yeah that's that's one of the things we even talked about a bit last time is just the you know our, our present social um evolution seems to be going a bit in the direction, in my opinion, a bit too far in the direction of careful, hmm. you know, but anyway. So if we have that Santao in the sense of the loosest bit of, you know, hint, hint, there's lots of places to start, uh, to balance that out again, from a, from a more traditional Taoist perspective would be to learn about what is called Sanpao. Sanpao? Yep. So there's Santao and then there's Sanpao. Okay. So Bao is kind of a... Eh, it can mean like a place you put things that are valuable. Um, one of my favorite, um, you mean like a safe or something in a way, <laughs> but I just keep thinking the, one of my favorite, uh, things in the world that actually have that name are these little things you got to dim sum, which are like these little stuffed, uh, steam bun thingies mm -hmm. with, but it's the yummy thing on the inside that makes it pop. So when you talk about these ideas, sometimes it's like Sanpao can be uh, translated as your three treasures or your three essences and stuff like that. But the experientially and the fun of that language is because Chinese is actually a really cool language when you get into it. Um, the experience that comes up when you're thinking of that character is like, oh yeah, it's like a Christmas present. And if you keep trying to like open it, you're going to keep finding stuff in there. Hmm. It's not like, well, it's the character kind of has the implication that you're, it's not just going to happen once. It's just that this is what this is going to be like. Okay. Okay. So the Sanpao are, um, uh, the Sanpao are Jing, Qi, and Shen. So Jing is, uh, I think we've talked about a couple of times, it's kind of like your body's root battery, you know, power, your adaptability, your mojo, your, you know, all the, the, if you took all the math of all the chemical interactions in your body and, you know, you added them all up and subtracted everything you had to get rid of and whatever was left at the end, it was just, you know, for you to play with, that would be Jing. <laughs> okay. Qi would have a lot to do with how everything that has to happen to make all of that stuff happen would actually happen down on the level of kind of the nitty gritty, you know, in the sense of we have language and then we have specific words and each word has a specific kind of lever in the world. So Qi is really just about how everything kind of moves around. And Shun often translated as spirit, which can get us into some trouble. Um, what I've come to with that word is to just ask people to notice what attention is doing. What attention is doing? Yeah, because if in this moment you ask yourself, what is your attention doing? Right? 
And this goes back to lean back, lean forward. You can go back to, you know, you're listening to music, watching a TV, you're driving down the highway. No, don't look at that person's bum. Ah, <laughs> or whatever. But as long as you're aware of what's attention doing uh, in the moment, and you can watch other people, you can watch animals, you know, you can see what their attention is doing. If a, a predator is stalking prey, it's very clear what, you know, what's going through the, the field of the mind. Uh, but that's what shun is about. Uh, when you give it, un, maybe unfortunately, the the distinct translation of spirit, then it kind of gets hooked into a whole bunch of other things that have a lot of association and maybe um, some meaning that can be quite distracting from the opportunity because when you mm -hmm. can, you bring it back to the opportunity of, oh, what's your attention doing? And are you picking that or, you know, is it up to somebody else? Yeah. So when we think about this again, idea of self-quantification, here's three more ways to kind of get a little bit more into the moment. So in this moment, how's your mojo? Uh, my mojo is pretty good. I'm actually surprised that I've got as much energy as I do today, considering all the work that I've been doing over the past couple of days. But yeah, it's a nice sunny day. Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, we're in a pretty cool location. It's you know, got good feng shui. And, and uh, you let it slide a couple minutes ago that it's actually Mother's Day. We're actually sitting here, a couple of guys <laughs> doing our best for mom. Yeah. <laughs> and um, happy Mother's Day, mom. Yeah, happy Mother's Day for sure. Uh, so again, in the sense of self-quantification, you know, how, how is the, that sense of mojo? Or when you think about the idea of chi, you know, how does everything feel like it's moving around within you and through you and through your life and all of that? So you can feel in with that. You're like, oh yeah, there's again, lots of opportunities to, to get subtle. And the more you're aware of say like qigong and things, uh, that's a pretty infinitely, you know, deep toolbox to play with. And again, with shun, you know, lots lots of opportunities to both quantify with hopefully a lack of judgment <laughs> you know and then again to to look into the cultivation opportunities of what you're doing with your mind so i'm going to go real quick into this and simplify it as much as i can and then kind of rub people's noses in a couple of places where we all get stuck because it's a really fun place to start i think mm -hmm. and then take it into the level of and this is there's really not much more to talk about with it because once you get a sense of I think how simple a certain approach can be, uh, you don't really need to complicate it after that. Okay. But, but it is, it is kind of a bit of a goofy thing to task people to notice usually because this is where people can kind of stumble a bit. Sure. And that's usually where we learn. So before I get specifically there, I would just ask you to think of so basically three words. Uh, and I've tried to find ones that all have the same letter because for some reason when I get into these kind of exercises, this is what helps people. So first word is adaptability. Okay. Right. So what's, what's your adaptability like in whatever context you're, you're trying to figure your life out right now, right? Because if you don't feel adaptable and maybe you and your mom have had a really bad relationship for five years and it's Mother's Day and it's time to call, damn it, where's your adaptability with actually, you know... You know, where's the wherewithal within you to maybe shift things around enough to bring things to a better place? Because mm. if you're not adaptable and it's until you admit it was your fault, not mine, and until you, you know, make up for whatever bad things I blame you for, then everything's still stuck. So adaptability has to have a certain sense of own for mojo, but also a commitment to change. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's, that's an important thing. What's your adaptability like? Next thing is what's your availability like? Like how open are you to being adaptable? Well, I mean, I think it really depends on what's going on in the moment. 
like because if someone uh, comes along and um, and I, I don't have this is not meant to pick on religion it's more to pick on funny situations so there's people at least in this part of the world who knock on your door randomly uh, and try and invite you to join their church mm-hmm. right and so if you're a highly available person and a very adaptable person and you happen to have some spare time and they knock on your door I mean I don't, I don't know about you Anthony but when that happens it's kind of like <laughs> come on in <laughs> Because, <laughs> you know, he could have a lot of fun with people who are pretty hung up on what books have to say or whatever. Um, other people just may not have the time or really don't want to have to, you know, get that out of my face. Mm-hmm. Right? Because you're not available to that. But it's just sort of a funny example of uh, of that. Because on the, in the San Bao sense of Jing Shi Shun, uh, in the sense of just day-to-day life, I think the the best qualifier for Qi is, you know, Think of everyone you might ever think of everyone you've ever known in the past. Uh, think everyone. Uh, think of I don't know how to put this. I'm trying to think of something really weird here. Just give me a sec. Think of uh, uh, the list of a uh, lineup of people. Okay, yeah, this will work. Like uh, a police lineup? Well, uh, no, it's a hallway in a hotel, and there's okay. a lineup of people to get in the elevator, and that lineup of people is, <laughs> and I'm just making this up as I go. Uh, is made up of all of the people who are the lovers of your lovers after you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and the elevator door is going to open and one of them is going to walk in the elevator and the elevator door is going to close and you're going to be stuck in the elevator for that person, with that person for a while. Mm-hmm. And whatever's going to have to be worked out is, you know, and they all know who you are and why they're there and, you know. <laughs> so without getting too personal here, well, maybe, I'm just maybe, saying. Maybe it is personal. Uh, the, where I live here in town, <laughs> yeah. so the, the old mother-in-law is three blocks up the street that way. And if I go four blocks up the street that way, my ex and her current partner and, right. their, and their two kids live. Oh, right. that's right. So yeah, I've been on that elevator ride a few times. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> anyway, but I always try to think of like from a, I get into a lot of these conversations with people about the difference between uh, Aboriginal culture and sort of modern culture. And that's one of the biggest ones is we're also entitled nowadays and so picky about who we expect to have to put up with, you know, to spend our time. Whereas in a lot of these other cultures, you know, it's, I think it's, this even came up with Jordan Peterson's stuff, you know, the difference between people who grow up in a home with 12 kids and, you know, Sunday evening dinner is like four hours of just, mayhem but it's awesome (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know compared to people who have like one or two kids and you know they're so precious that you know their middle name is Fabergé egg just because you know you wanted to remind (laughs) yourself don't break your kid you know so that wasn't my house that's for sure (laughs) so you obviously you're gonna have more robust chi around you know your adaptability and your availability to everybody if you're the kind of person who would actually sit there in that elevator going well (laughs) Hey Fred, <laughs> sorry about the tattoo, you know, or whatever, yeah. you know, but it's, cause you have to have a sense of humor, I think, to, to work with this stuff. And, and again, the availability part, uh, fundamentally is going to be the most fun and challenging when it's about you. Mm-hmm. So we've got our adaptability, our availability, and then our attention. Attention. And, uh, <laughs> sorry, I was going to make a joke about att- attention span, you know? Well, that's, that's the question I was just going to come up with. Like, is it what you're focused on or for how long you're focused on it? Or, uh, I'll shut up and let you, maybe you answer that. <laughs> sorry, I was going to say, oh, look, a flock of turtles. <laughs>
because I mean, this this is one of the harder parts of modern life, and for me, it's astounding if I if when I bring my awareness to this part of my life is, and I have to say this in the way that I have to say it, because it, it, this may sound like I'm being self congratulatory or something. That's not really my point, but having spent a lot of my life doing martial arts and meditation and you know goofy things where. Uh, having the ability to focus and not be easily distracted is, is relatively life or death, right? Compared to what happens when you're a single parent with, you know, three jobs and a lot of hobbies and interests and things like that. And you're really trying to remember where the hell you put your car keys, you know? So this idea of attention is something that, again, you can lean into a little bit and be very consistent about. I know where my attention is. I know where my action item list is in my pocket for my day. Or, you know, I, I know, uh, as much fun as it is to be surprised every once in a while in life, if you walk around in a constant state of anticipation, because you never really have a clue, you know, as to, you know, what to really expect or to really, you know, maintain, uh, in the sense of discernment, you're going to basically be living your life like a person who's addicted to something that has to do with dopamine. Hmm. Right. And I'm not saying that to be a judgmental twit. It's to bring up the next part of this little chat that, you know, I have with people on the subject, which is if you're going to live consciously, and that again comes back to self-quantification, which without that, how is self-cultivation really going to begin? So we have our three A's. What's your adaptability like in this moment? What's your availability like in the sense of what it is you kind of may have brought up you know, in, for yourself in your life to do some work. And how is your attention? Like, do you have the attention? And if the answer is, mm, not bad, half and half, and absolutely not, well, that's what that's what the beginning of some self-assessment and self-honesty is. Is oh, well, you know, I'm t- definitely too adult or distracted or hungover or, you know, busy with other things to really do any meaningful, you know, real self-quantification or... Uh, effective cultivation, but at least then you don't walk around with the presumption that, you know, you're supposed to be making progress when you're not even doing the work, Mm -hmm. but at least you can go, man, I got some stuff to figure out and then I can get to the work. Well, it's almost uh, a feeling of relief. Um, I mean, as you describe all that, to have that much um, quantification, Mm -hmm. uh, to be um, aware of your adaptability, your availability and your attention uh, even if those things don't measure um, as much as you would like them to in the way that's important for you, um, just having that awareness, it's almost like, you know, um, your hand, you realize your hands are on the steering wheel. And it's funny you say that because that's the title of my next book. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm working on it for the last month. I want royalties. Okay. Well, I <laughs> came up with it before we had this conversation, but <laughs> we, we could do some time machine stuff. It's actually called Grabbing Your Life by the Wheel. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, that's that's totally what you're talking about is is being able to um, understand what you're navigating, right? Mm-hmm. Or where you're navigating or how you're navigating. Like, am I driving really fast on a bumpy road? Am I, you know, driving too slow in the fast lane? Like, whatever it is that you're doing is great, but as long as you're aware of it, you can actually um, choose to do something about it, I think. Yeah, and this conversation is actually chapter two from that book, just like, oh, you know. Okay, <laughs> But, so I wanted to talk about it because that's been on, on my mind for like the last month to play with. So I'm helping you write a book. Is that it? Yeah. It's all about you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so if we're going to go with assessment, like, okay, 
If I, do I have the adaptability, the availability, the attention, yes or no? And if the answer is yes, it's because something deep within you is driven towards that yes. Because hmm. at any moment, if you really wanted to, the answer would be yes. And if at any moment the answer is no, it's because there's other things driving your life, your life energy, your life force, your instincts, you know, your biochemistry, your neurotransmitters or whatever, that's changing your decisions from always yes. So it's a really important thing to just sit back and go, okay, what are the biggest life driving things that are dissipating me or distracting me or stopping me from being able to fully say, I choose in this moment, even if it's only for this moment, to apply my adaptability, my availability, and my attention to what I need to, to be at least my whole self, or at least in, in the direction of my whole self. Because if you can't look at that, you can't even take a breath and look in the mirror every time you go to the bathroom and give yourself some badass Clint Eastwood eyes or whatever and say, yeah, man, we're going to get something done today. If you can't even do that, I mean, you, you, you need to stop and recognize you can't even do that. You know, it, that when, when you talk about that, um, the picture that came into my mind's eye is that moment when I realize I've been on Facebook for too long and I've forgotten where I am. <laughs> like there, there should be a word for that you're know, re-entering the causal realm <laughs> facebookitis i don't know what the word for it is but it's the it's that feeling of like um i'm totally lost in in uh social media uh wonderland the infinite scroll never reaching the bottom hmm. um i've lost sense of time i've lost sense of where i am and then um i've lost sense of whatever the heck it is i'm doing because i'm just scrolling for the sake of scrolling not really reading anything and when i come up for air in that moment, all of a sudden, it's like the most real moment that I have. It's almost like I have this crazy little, thank you, Mark, you know, Zuckerberg. It's mm. like, hey, wait a minute. Really, I'm a human. There's something in me that just sort of said, dude, hang up that Facebook and get on with your life. You've got yeah. stuff to do, right? And I love the synchronicity of how this conversation is going because the first thing I want to talk about in the sense of life driving kind of bits of momentum or even memes, if we can use that nowadays, uh, is what I call your heart to dopamine self. Your heart to dopamine. Heart to dopamine. So just in the sense of like kind of uh, embodied awareness, it would be everything from your heart up, mm -hmm. like literally your heart to your brain. But, uh, and I've had this conversation actually three times this week, so I'm just going to play it out the, the way that I have because sure. when you have these conversations that keep happening, they, they seem to need to. Um, for whatever reason, I've had three different people ask me this week, well, do you think I should follow my passion or something else? Really? Yeah. Uh, well, just because I, mean, I think it's because I've been talking about Jordan Peterson and people are trying to like wrap their head around like a, another way to try and fit into the world around something that matters, right? So people have been, it's just been coming up. So anyway, three people have asked me that in the, in the last week. So my answer has been, well, if you want to live your life basically from one addictive short-term uh, kind of sense of, of uh, success and gratification and glorification and, and then it's opposite and, and then find another one and then it's opposite. Yeah. Then you're going to want to basically follow your passions, right? Because your passion just by itself in this moment from here to there, if you're asking someone, do you think I should follow my passion? And this might be a bit of a graphic thing to say, but it's kind of like, do you think I should try and get a threesome with my girlfriend and her sister? You know, it's like this weird little idea that pops into your mind that might gratify some kind of desire, some kind of fantasy, but you're in no way really in any sense of deep connection or ownership to the whole thing. You're just sort of going, well, do you think I should go to like, you know, that 
amusement ride or this amusement ride. And I'm not trying to like be overly, uh, seemingly judgmental or heavy handed about this. I'm just trying to polarize the conversation one little bit about whose passion and, and, and why is it your passion? And why are you asking someone else if you should have any other relationship with that than a screaming, resounding, you know, spined, uh, eyebrows, yes, experienced of, of the whole thing. Because it obviously isn't your passion if you're asking other people, do you think that, you know, that satisfying that fantasy would be cooler than satisfying a different fantasy, right? So this is what I call the heart to dopamine self, which is, especially nowadays, you know, if, you, if you're watching social media, scrolling through things, I mean, you're living in a dopamine driven anticipation kind of reward drive, because that's just the neurochemistry of, of that whole experience. And it's, you know, we could blame Mark Zuckerberg for being a mad evil genius of, of color choices and time wasting or whatever, but. Um, if we're looking at self-quantification and that's one way our attention gets completely depleted, that would be a good way to note it, a good thing to notice, mm -hmm. right? Anyway, so if we can kind of have a little bit of tongue-in-cheek humor about the heart to dopamine drive, because it's short-term, it's often not really connected to anything other than, hmm, I wonder what that tastes like. Um, then, then we can maybe kind of ask ourselves, well, what would make that more clear for me. Like, if, I mean, we all have all kinds of desires and they're all very compelling when they're compelling us, but how do we connect them to something deeper? So, um, when those people have asked me, you know, should I follow my passion? I said, well, how about we ask yourself a little bit, uh, a deeper qu question, which is what kind of success could you create for yourself in the next little while that would make you feel the most resourceful you could be? How do you mean resourceful? So if I was to go and make a garden and all of a sudden now I'm pretty guaranteed if, you know, rain still continues to work or if I can turn knobs on hoses, I got food. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, that's a pretty obvious example because everyone's out there at this time and where we live madly gardening to make food. Right. Right. So if I can do something that, um, is a consistent, uh, activity, then the success is now I'm more resourceful, right. Instead of now I got you know, a nice shirt and that might be a kind of resourcefulness if it's a really nice shirt and it helps you with something that shirts are good for. But, you know, it's, it's recognizing that that's the pattern of activity that, that is the, 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 the least focused on because we're all looking for the prize, not the process. Hmm. Right. In, in the context of how I'm polarizing this conversation. Right. Cause if you can actually find a, a kind of process, self quantification, self cultivation, you know, however you map it out, but then there's a sense of progress, then your sense of follow your passion is your sense of, holy cow, I'm really good at making sure 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 I'm happy and mobile and uh, attentive and effective and everything else. Cause I'm the one running the ship that makes the ship run mm -hmm. towards whatever my passion might actually really, really be. And, and no way is anyone else going to ever tell me what that is or how to get there sooner then my, my deepest heart's momentum will get me there anyway. Right. But we do, it's again, that, that idea, you either stop, start kind of from detail, the Tao of soil, the Tao of the body, you know, that instinctual stuff, or you start with the kind of spiritual stuff. And most people I've met who spend any more than probably 20 years in the, the pretty deep traditional spiritual practices from the East say, yeah, well, after all that time, I've really come to realize I should have started from the bottom up. You know, start with the instinctual, start with the really deep kind of messy stuff. 
because that's that's the stuff that's going to confound the crap out of your ethically you know refined you know zen master self because it's like oh my god i have the weirdest urges <laughs> instead of like oh i think i'm gonna work out my urges and then you go into the the space of you know compassionate mindfulness and you're like uh to be one with your urges is so much clearer than to be haunted by them <laughs> be chased around the room by them yeah so if we can recognize that we have an opportunity to find balance and discernment between, um, one, the awareness, I have enough life drive within myself to choose my adaptability, my availability, my attention are mine. If I do not have the, the ability with my life force or life drive to turn like fork in the road at any time I want, I am going to move into my autonomy and my more kind of what you call your... This is a Jordan Peterson uh, term. He calls it self-authoring, but you know, like you're actually the one writing the script for yourself. So if you you can do that, you're you're there. If you can't do that, what life drive has you addled? Which is either going to be the dopamine, the heart to dopamine, kind of fantasy land of distraction, which is relentlessly for sale in the modern world, or a lack of confidence with your resource success self. Because that's the block is, well, I'm kind of insecure or I'm not really good at that, that good looking or maybe I need to do this instead. And, you know, we can kind of hit perfection paralysis. So mm. those, those are things that are going to stop us from actually doing the work. Interesting. And then if we wanted to actually get into the work, and I could probably talk about this for another 500 hours, but it gets really simple. Think about yourself like a tree. Tree. Okay. So from the tree, you're either the tree... Um, and I mean this with some goofy humor. Um, so measure, imagine a tree and think of the tree as a tree that's totally rocking the dopamine, the heart to dopamine life. I see a tree with a very skinny trunk being blown around in the wind. With glorious leaves. <laughs> <laughs> They're fantastic. <laughs> right with, the, with a really nice car parked in the driveway well whatever but i mean like you can just imagine if you were to think of a tree and how it applies its resources or how it fits into the world if it's just totally enraged with you know short-term gratification it's like you said it's going to be withered on the bottom and pretty fun to watch on the top mm -hmm. right so again if you were to <clears throat> think of a tree that has like the best capacity for you know balancing out its you know its resource a acquisition success uh, with its sort of fun dopamine, heart to dopamine kind of play, you're going to see a really robust, tall, healthy, beautiful tree that you can kind of assume would be there for a really long time, right? So the reason I bring up the tree thing is there's a, a, a lot of analogies in, in Taoism with plants and humans and kind of what's really important and how we can learn from, from plants in a way. But what I would I'd say for anyone in the sense of now what is, well, now you have a whole bunch of different ways to quantify yourself. Like how do I, how does, how, where am I at with all these different things, especially those three A's? Because mm -hmm. again, if you can't ask, adaptability, availability, attention, huh, okay, that, that's, that's who I am right now and what I can work with. <clears throat> the other thing is, is with the tree analogy is what could you bring into your life that feels like something from the top down? you know, from the mind into your life, uh, tools, practices, opportunities to very, very much improve your, basically your, your three A's and, or your ability to cultivate yourself. You know, meditation. Well, I'm, I'm, when you, as soon as you said meditation, even a half second before that, I was thinking of things that would make the tree more grounded. 
and meditation would it grounds you right mm-hmm. but it's it's, a, it's being aware that as as we look at ourselves maybe as a little project and the project for whatever reason has the same needs as a tree so we can kind of frame how we would look for satisfying our needs by saying what would what would make this tree really happy you know in the sense of mind which is you know well let's how about a nice bright open sky which is what meditation would bring in uh if it's a particularly messy sky because you're working out some trauma then maybe like that voice dialoguing stuff we had brought up i don't know a couple of months ago um, because now you have a practice, you know, where the voices in your head can actually help you with the voices in your head, mm-hmm. you know, and there's all these other things we could do kind of from the upstairs side of, uh, self-cultivation, because as we become more quantifying in our awareness, we want, we're going to want the tools to, to improve, you know, what happens. It's kind of instinctual, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, the same thing would be from the ground up. Like, are you actually taking your vitamins, you know? <laughs> Uh, are are you actually uh, you know investing in uh, a, a better diet? Are you getting enough sleep? Do you actually drink the amount of water I keep talking to people about drinking, or are you just going, yeah, whatever, man? <laughs> I'm having Kool Aid for breakfast, you know, or <laughs> sorry, something fun like that, you know? Because I mean, then you get into like we did, uh, I think, two shows a while ago on neurosomatic therapy. Mm-hmm. So when you're thinking about your embodied self from the ground up, I mean, your tree ain't going to grow so well if you're walking around still carrying around some trauma and woundedness from, you know, if it's a, you know, you had a bad car accident and it kind of messed things up. Uh, or if your one of your relatives was particularly, you know, unconscious of their behavior, you know, in, in whatever way they hurt you. I've seen trees grow um, that have been, uh, like instead of the trunk going straight up, it's kind of bent. Well, what about the trees that are growing through rocks or between mountains or across some well, crazy... I mean, that's why we like the analogy in Taoism because th- those guys really have this life thing figured out. You, you sure. Know, give them a chance, they're going to figure it out. <laughs> I've seen trees that look, you know, fully grown trees that might be, you know, 30, 40, 50 feet tall that look like at some point in their wee life they were stepped on because, the, you know, there's a distinctive kind of, you know, crick in the, in the trunk. It doesn't yeah. go straight up, right? Yeah, I wish I would have had a camera. This was a few years ago. I was hiking with a friend and we came across this place... Um, that I hadn't been probably touched by humans since the fifties because there was these, all these old rusted out 1950s cars and one of the trees had grown through the car and picked the car up. Hmm. So there was a tree with a car kind of like, you know, a tree earring or something like that, <laughs> just in the 10 feet off the ground, just sitting there. But again, the reason why Taoists are like love trees as a, a good mirror for an analogy of how, how, how to structure your life around how life seems to succeed and how life structures itself. You know, so if you want to, you know, move ahead in the world, um, make sure that you, you would be very healthy as a tree. Mm-hmm. And when you're going to do that quantification cultivation thing, you know, there's lots of trains, lots of subtle contexts and stuff like that. But I think it's about being balanced in, in, in what, what way self-improvement actually is going to land for your whole self, not just for your, your egoic self or, you know, if, if you're, you just want to balance out your pectorals with your lats. I mean, you know, lots, lots of things can be important. It's mm-hmm. just giving yourself permission to say, oh yeah. And if I'm truly quantifying my life, you know, have, have I covered uh, enough different kinds of terrain to really like say, I am really cultivating a really healthy, balanced life. Because a lot of us can pick one thing and leave the rest behind. I'm curious to see if there's, I mean, short of the book that you're writing, mm-hmm. if there's something that people could dig into more to sort of give them uh, 
more words, more ideas, more ammunition, if you will, around this whole process? Well, if I was to very quickly say, I mean, the reason I wanted the title to be Grabbing Your Life by the Wheel is that I, I often, in the clinic, when I'm talking to patients, and they're very naturally going to be complaining about, you know, well, I tried this and this didn't work, or I, you know, I did this and this happened, and uh, my thing is, well, bring your attention to the fact that, you know, at least you're steering. You know, at least, at least you put this here and you tried this and this happened. And at that we know you, you, you could say you oversteered because you took too much of that indica concentrate and you slept for three days and woke up and you found doorknobs, a really mysterious thing and went back to bed, you know, in the mm -hmm. sense of there's all kinds of things that could go sideways <laughs> in the world, you know? Um, so I think, yeah, it's just giving yourself permission to, to flow with it a bit and, and to put things where they, you know, they're, they're going to do us the most service and we're going to be the most effective in, in actually moving ahead because mm -hmm. we quantify because we want to cultivate and if we go back to Dantian it's the field in which you're cultivating your life mm -hmm. and it's some something about this whole conversation that has left me feeling a sense of uh, calm or maybe even hope in some way I mean to sort of uh, be putting words your words not necessarily your ideas mm -hmm. uh, to these concepts uh, and taking it in and listening to it and sort of, you know, measuring myself, self-quantifying while we're talking about it and self-quantifying, um, it feels really, um, not easy, but, uh, comfortable. Like it, it doesn't feel as, as daunting or as like if, if, you know, if somebody were to throw a self-help book at me and say, here, read this, you know, I might flip them the bird and say, thanks, but no thanks. Um, you know, get my back up around something. Whereas this has felt a very um, simplistic kind of approach to it and I'm very comfortable. Mm. And I think that that's a big part of the point too is, I mean, if we are actually saying, you know, I, I'm curious about getting into this idea of assessment, you know, self-quantification is a fun way to say, uh, you know, just a bit of a, a natural assessment. And, and, you know, that analogy of someone throwing the self-help help book at you or not, I mean, that's the perfect uh, image for what this is really about. Because if you're going to approach assessment impatiently, then you're not actually approaching this with a sense of an assessment. You're just trying to find an opinion that's a lot better than the one you're trying to not have right now impatiently, mm -hmm. right? So this is a thing, you know, and if it's about improvement, that's just the implication that you suck. So if someone threw a self-help book into my lap, you know, the kind of the implication is, so uh, what are you saying? <laughs> what are you trying to say? Yeah. Right? You know, so the idea with this is, you know, if quantification or assessment is really your goal, you're going to have to start with that exact shift of state, which is, well, I better get really comfortable. Mm -hmm. Better sit here and just calmly kind of peel back the onion layers and see what I'm working with here. Because anything else is, it's already started with deceit. Mm. It's already started with excuse manufacturing. Well, you know, if I don't like what I see, I can always cover it up. Instead of going, well, <clears throat> here we go, crack the knuckles, get out the notepad and pop the hood, and what are we what are we actually looking at? Right. And as soon as you make that actual discernment, which is, well, you gotta have to, I have to accept where I actually am right now. And, and if you can't accept where you are right now, at least you can accept that you're the one making the distinction that with some work you could. Because otherwise you wouldn't even have begin to ask the question. You'd be, you know, going from one addiction to another, you know, one psychiatrist to another, trying to like just, you know, make, make the, make it, make it certain your attention is very controlled. Mm, yeah.
you know. And I don't want to go too much, you know, deeper because I get the sense that if I start going deeper, it's going to turn into podcast number two. But um, this is just such an essentially common sense thing to bring into your life. She's, oh yeah, well, at any moment, you know, you're the guy in the, or the girl in the elevator and whoever's thrown into the elevator with you, as uncomfortable or and as random as it may be, this is your life. And this is the opportunity to bring your attention and your yourself to bear. And then your life becomes playful the way it was for kids. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the big ethics in Taoism is, you know, what is old and brittle is about death. What is young and playful and pliable is about life. Now you can take that as some, you know, doom and gloom uh, diagnosis, which is, oh man, I'm gonna, gonna get old and die. It's like, yeah, well, but today, <laughs> you know, because at, at, at some point we do recognize that, you know, we do arise into this uh, as seriously or as, as playfully as, as we choose. Mm-hmm. And, and the only way we can do it more playfully is to do it more honestly. Yeah, my uh, uh, learning uh, a few years ago um, put the words, that's interesting, in, into, my, into my mouth. And it's sort of stuck there ever since that, you know, whenever I've been dealt a heaping pile of crap, I'm always like, wow, that's really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, instead of taking it personally, yeah. uh, almost sort of like, um, uh, instead of being the person sitting behind the plate of crap and going, what the is this? I'm the guy at the other table looking at that guy going, wow, that's really interesting. Wonder what, wonder what that's all about, you know, mm-hmm. almost in a detached way. Yeah, I think that's why I really, in, in, I'm not sure what the word would be. I have a really interesting response to when I watch people say that. Hmm. Like yeah, when, when I'm in the clinic with someone and you give them some really specific kind of news or something like that, and they do that, oh, that's interesting. Because for me, it's like, okay, so you're basically communicating to me that you're not quite ready to really go into what this is really actually about. So I'll nod and, and go with that. And I think it's, and I'm not picking on anybody, I think, but when we actually say, oh, that's interesting, it's kind of like, okay, so I better get at a really long dinner table and sort of chop this thing up onto little bite-sized pieces and, you know, get ready to get into it. But mm-hmm. Well, and, and, and again, uh, you know, for me, it's, it's the thing where... Um, it stops me from getting plugged into it. The idea of interesting for me goes, uh, that's interesting, comma, now what? Yeah, I mean, that's why I wanted to bring it up is that um, because the conversation really is centered around what I would call a perceptive and responsive kind of moment by moment playful kind of practices like Qigong and things like that, uh, I just want to make sure in this conversation that there was... Um, that the communication wasn't just about, that's interesting. And leaving it there. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I'm reminded of this character in this goofy science fiction novel series I'm just in love with. Um, He's sort of a artificial intelligence stuffed inside of a beer can, which is by itself a really funny backstory. (laughs) But uh, so you have to imagine it's sort of a artificial intelligence computer person and he's in control of a whole bunch of stuff around how the ship works and how these people are flying through space. And every once in a while, he's in a really precarious situation. And then he's like, hold my beer, <laughs> which is, I think, a, either a Florida or a Eastern Canada or some kind of basic expression for, 
and now what? Or look, look what's going to happen. Or, you know, or look out. The, I'm, I'm, I'm about I, to. I'm going to drive off the cliff to see what happens right. after that. Because with, with the conversation we're having, a lot of it is about, here's a bunch of interesting opportunities, but if we don't lean in enough in the sense of lean in, lean back, then we're just good at philosophy. So if I, if I feel this out and, and use words to describe it, uh, that's interesting for me is kind of a, kind of a little bit of a lean back, but with my head cocked the same way a dog does when they're trying to figure something out. Yeah. And it's kind of like assessment. And then it's, uh, now what is like, okay, what am I going to do now that I actually understand whatever's right in front of me? Right. And it's Mm not, um, it's not, uh, ignoring the pile of crap in front of me it's actually going hmm well what do i do with this now oh okay let's figure it out from here kind of thing so and then we have to lean forward enough to take that first step yeah yeah right. exactly and, and so this this is why you know i'm trying to have a little cheshire cat smile on my face because the point of the conversation is actually working because now we're having a conversation that's using contexts like leaning in and leaning forward for us to have a tangible sense of exploration, self-quantification and, and appreciation and in the sense of, oh yeah, I really am touching into the, the experiential, the qualitative, because that's, those are the wrenches that give us a chance to actually say, hold my beer. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to move through this in another way. And if, if that actually produces a better result, then now my, my quantification has become cultivation mm-hmm. and the field that, that I'm working on, the Dantian, um, it is always going to be contextual, but when it starts to matter and you can really feel it and say, oh man, that's interesting. It's like, now you're ready. Eh? So hold your beer. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, perhaps it should be uh, episode 51, self-quantification, old school tools. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, and talking beer cans. <laughs> and talking beer cans. I think that might be a pretty good place to wrap it up for the day. I'm good. Yeah. Uh, again, this has been uh, Fusion Health Radio. I'm Anthony Santa. I'm Dr. Michael Smith. And this is the Health, Lifestyle, and Mindset podcast. Uh, We'd love it if you uh, tuned back through our library and uh, found yourself another podcast or two to listen to and to share with your friends. Um, You can get more information from Michael via his website, integrativehealthsolutions.ca. You can follow him there, see what he's up to. He's got books and webinars and all kinds of things up his sleeve. What else can I say? Patreon is a place for you to go. Uh, Just look for Fusion Health Radio on Patreon. Patreon is an opportunity for you to offer a little bit of cash to us to uh, put together this podcast so that we can new and improve the equipment and things that we have so we don't have technical glitches like the one we just did. (laughs) (laughs) Oops. Uh, It's okay. They'll never never know. It was my fault. (laughs) Um, Nothing to do with beer, though. (laughs) (laughs) No, not at all. Um, And uh, I guess that's it for the day. Uh, Any final thoughts you want to leave people with? This is about applying mindfulness Hmm. on a lot, a lot of levels. So uh, unless you're like allergic to mindfulness, you know, just have fun with it. It's, it's, I know I I once thought about publishing a meditation book called Pay Attention. It's free. Hmm. Just because, I mean. Just because. What else are you going to do in the shower? (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Uh, I think that's where we'll leave it for the day. All right. Uh, Great conversation today, and uh, happy Mother's Day, Michael. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there, too. You have been listening to Fusion Health Radio. Please add your comments or post a question at Facebook slash Fusion Health Radio.